This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. Uh, you're on Rally Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. You can send me an email at inbox at radio, and please do, or text me at 2057. We've got our stalwart, our favourite, our gardening guru, Wally Richards. Good morning, Wally. Good morning, Rodney, and good morning, listeners. Oh, well, the listeners love you, and I um, I don't know what they like most, your brilliance and guru status for us or me stumbling along learning to be a gardener with your help. But I've got lots to report. My well, little lettuces are growing rather well uh, in my glass house that I planted very, very early, and I've even had a good strike of carrots. Um, what happens to them uh, over this time, I don't know, in my tunnel house. And I've put my potatoes out um, to grow their little shoots. Mm -hmm. And I prepared the ground so it's already to go in. And I went to the countdown and I, no, pack and save. I don't shop at countdown anymore because they went woke. Pack and save. And I bought some Vivaldi potatoes and blow me down. I cooked a few and then in the bottom, they sprouted. So um, I rushed them out to my garden and had the joy of planting them. And nice. I, dug a, I dug a double spade length uh, trench, lots of manure, and placed them in and just covered them over the top. So I'm very excited, although it's still cold. In fact, it's uh, been a little bit of snow here. But nice. um, that's my excitement for the week, uh, Wally. Now, in your newsletter, you talk tomatoes. Mm -hmm. For some reason, tomatoes frighten me. Like, what, sorry? Frighten me, like to grow Frighten me? Yeah, because uh, it seems quite tough to grow a tomato, like happy putting in the lettuce seed and the carrot seeds and sort of things like that. But for some reason, tomatoes strike me as a big ask to get a tomato to grow and produce that beautiful tomato. And I love tomatoes. I could eat tomatoes all day long. Right. So tell me about growing tomatoes for our, me and my listeners. What do we need to do? Okay. Well, at this time of the year, you'll see in the garden centres, mitre tens, et cetera, um, there'll be the early tomato plants, which more than likely will be early girl which is a nice medium-sized tomato, um, good flavour, ideal for the home garden. And Sweet 100, which is uh, an excellent plant to grow. You don't want to grow too many of the Sweet 100s because they produce lots and lots of bite-sized tomatoes, which are perfect to just uh, throw straight in your salad when they're ripe. With the, are those the little ones stuff. smaller than a cherry? Yeah, they're okay. just about the size of a marble or a bit yeah. bigger. Um, depends. Right. At the moment. And tell me this, that early tomatoes, what does it mean that a tomato's early? Uh, it'll ripen early or produce fruit early. Okay. Right. Um, actually, any tomato would do, like even the big beefsteak tomatoes, you could be starting them off now if you could get hold of them, right, okay. unless you germinate your own seed. Um, they take longer to mature and ripen, et cetera. And 
What most of us tomato growers like to do is get our tomatoes in as early as possible and have them with ripe fruit as quickly as possible before Christmas um, and before the glut happens in the market and the prices then come down. So while the price is expensive for growing a kilo of um, tomatoes, um, it's ideal to be able to pick your own for free, for sure. Right. Got it. Okay. Now, if you've got a glass house or tunnel house, uh, excellent. One aspect, though, if you're growing in the soil of your uh, tunnel house, glass house, the soil is still pretty cold, right? And you can plant your tomato plant and it'll sit there and it'll sulk. It won't grow much. It's feet are cold. Yeah, because it's feet cold, right? So I we know do that old... feeling. I know that feeling. And I right. sulk when my feet are cold. I go up and try and help my kids in skiing, and I'm standing on that bloody snow. And if my feet get cold, I sulk. Um, so I can understand a tomato plant feeling a little upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we put some socks on the tomato. Well, ah. not actually. What we do is we make a hole, reasonable deep, like a spade depth. And then we go out and mow the lawn. Hopefully it's not too wet to mow. And we get a catcher full of clippings and we stuff that into the bottom of the hole and then put some soil over the top of that. And then you put in any nutrients that you want, like sheep manure, pellets, chook manure, um, Wally's secret tomato food with them uh, added. That's a very good one. And then you put a, a, a good layer of soil right up to basically soil level because we're going to make it quite a reasonably deep hole to plant the young seedling in because we want to plant it right up to the first two leaves or a bit beyond. Now, they were the embryo leaves that the plant had initially when it sprouted, right? So you don't plant it up to where it was planted in the punnet. You plant it deeper, right up to the leaves. Yeah, yeah. Now, the reason for it is like potatoes. It will then produce shoots, or roots, should I say, all the way up that's under the soil. Now, you notice on an older plant later on, you'll get aerial roots, little bumps happening towards the base. They would be roots if the plant was buried that deep. Okay. Right? Now, the idea is... The more roots you've got, the better the plant because there's more feeding from down below. Got it. So up to the first leaves and it's it's nicely buried. If by chance it's one of these super toms or a grafted tomatoes, you can't do that. If you did that, you'd be covering the graft and you'd kill it because okay. it would rot. Right. How do I how do I know it's grafted? Does it say that on the pot? You'll pay a lot more money for it. Okay, we won't get one of those. (laughs) (laughs) And it will say it's grafted. Yeah. In the old days, we used to have super toms, right? That company is gone. Um, They're they're a great company. They had the earliest tomatoes out in the market, always early girl, ones like that. Um, And, yeah, they retired. Uh, I think they sold the business, but it fell over afterwards. So a grafted tomato has 
what a rootstock with a top grafted on it or something, does it? What they do is they have the rootstock, yes, of a very vigorous tomato, yeah. right, which is not a good tomato, but it's got a very strong root system. And, and they splice it and put the two together. And they join very easily with a bit of, um, uh, what's the name, tape around them, drafting tape, and that's how you buy them. Um, oh. And you only plant them at the same level as what they are in the pot they come in. And they are always individual. They're never in a cell pack or anything. Yeah. And you pay probably about 6 $8 or something for them. I don't know. Um, and they're good because you get a strong root system with the good tomatoes, early tomatoes on the top. Right. Um, supposedly, if everything goes right and you feed them well, they should produce the equivalent of three tomatoes plants. Wow. Right. In fact, you grow them in that uh, trident uh, formation of three, what's that, three stakes, because you take a couple of the early laterals and take them up, they'll become um, part of your mature plant, and then you've got the central one. So that's the ideal way to do it. It's like having three tomatoes in the space of one, which for space saving, that's quite good. So they're not that expensive if you pull it off because you're getting three plants for the price of one. If you do it right. Yeah. As um, doing it right, meaning the stakes and the nutrients. Stakes, nutrients, and training. Now, okay. all, all tomato plants will produce what we call laterals. Now, laterals are those side growths that come between the trunk and the leaf, right? Yeah. Now, with um, there's different types. There's terminate and indeterminate tomato plants. Indeterminate is the ones that go way up high. In fact, they're vines. Terminate is the dwarf tomatoes, like um, Russian red uh, is a dwarf tomato. Scoresbury dwarf is a uh, dwarf tomato. On dwarf tomatoes, they only grow about a metre tall, but they spread, and you don't take the laterals off them. You let them go, right? There's a lot of tricks in growing tomatoes. So I you can, can see. I'm actually back being scared. Uh, I can <laughs> see why your concerns are because there's so much involved in it. Like, say, for instance, okay, if you want your plant to produce good, big-sized tomatoes and depending upon variety, beef steak will produce a big tomato, uh, Moneymaker, medium-sized tomato, and then you've got your um, sweet 100s, a small tomato, right? Now, if you want to produce the best-sized tomatoes for the type of plant, you remove all the laterals, right? Yeah. So it's only one trunk going up yeah, and the fruit sets on that particular one. And so, it's not being shaded by the other laterals and leaves, I guess. Yes, true. And, um, all, and all the goodness is going into those tomatoes. Right. Where If you leave the laterals on, you're going to have lots of branches and probably end up with about five or six stakes to, to keep them all supported. 
when they get to maturity. Um, you, the result of that, that, they're not all going to get enough food to make full potential. I see. So you tend to get a lot of average tomatoes. Okay. Right. Can I just back up a little bit? Because I remember you telling me early on, and this is just to prove that I listen, and we were discussing lettuces, and the question was, do you plant lettuces from seeds or do you buy the little lettuces already grown? I can't recall what they were called. But, you know, in the punnets, and you have mm -hmm. lettuce that's a couple of inches high. And I remember you suggesting, and correct me if I've got this wrong, that when you plant them out, they get a bit of a shock, and it takes mm -hmm. them a while to get their equilibrium. And it's not that big a saving in time to be growing the lettuces from seeds. So I'd always assume that I would grow my tomatoes from seeds because it's cheaper and I, I wouldn't. Yeah. Why, why would I, why would I grow tomatoes from seedlings? That's the word rather than seeds. Okay. If you want an early start and you haven't got the means to propagate, um, then to buy seedlings is a good idea. What's propagate um, mean? Propagate. Propagate means to germinate the seeds yourself. Can, can I just put them in the ground? Um, once again, you need warmth. Now, soil temperature for most seeds has to be at least 10 degrees, mm -hmm. right? And if you get your thermometer out and stick it in the ground and, and take a reading and you find it's not 10 degrees, you're wasting your time. The seed will either sit there and sprout when the, the temperature comes up, or alternately, if it's too wet, it might just rot in the ground and never come up. So right. buying the seedlings is a more surefire bet, and also because your aim isn't to get tomatoes when it's easy, because that's when they're cheap. Your aim is to get your tomatoes <clears throat> when it's tougher because that's when you're having to pay a lot for your tomato and you wouldn't bother. Yeah, yeah. The so earlier you can crop. Yeah. Yeah. So for an early crop, you're better to get tomato seedlings. Yes, unless you've already germinated. Now, oh, well, I have. Ke so. Keen gardeners would have a propagation pad, which is a heat pad. Yeah. Which gives a temperature of about 20 degrees. They would sit there, little. Um, pots or whatever uh, with the seed in on top of that, and there's the under warmth. They would germinate, and they normally do that in the house um, because they don't have electricity in their um, glass house. Yeah. But the problem is, and I've already struck this with one person, sent me a picture. It wasn't a tomato plant. It was, um, I think it was a capsicum or uh, eggplant. I couldn't tell. But he had germinated inside because he thought it was warmer, and he left it inside on the windowsill. And on the the thing, poor thing was stretching. like <laughs> It was about five inches long and thin as a rake and yellow as a as It's like us be. tying us down on the chair beside the fridge. We have to crane yeah. our neck out and get bent. Okay. You now, need overhead light. Yes. Most now, important. 
I'm going to get some seedlings. I'm going to check. Well, down in Otago here, um, in my tunnel house, would you say about now for some seedling tomatoes? Yes. Now, if you you're in open soil, aren't you? I uh, no, I have I have in my tunnel house. I have a um, what's it? A bench. I built a I built a. It's like a table high where I have right. my soil, and it's filled with soil and manure. Okay, so you could. Um, Does that mean open soil? The open soil just means a sort of ground. The ground. No, it's not on the ground. It's up. It's up like a bench, so I don't have to bend yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, right. So initially, you grow there. Would Would you plant them in the soil in the glass house later on? Well, I was going to ask you. <laughs> I was going to ask you. <laughs> I was going to ask you what to do. I don't know well, what I would do. Well, you've got soil in the glass house. It's ground. I got a little. I got a little at each end, if you know what I mean. But I was right. wondering if that would be a bit blocked for light, because it's sort of, if you can picture it, I've built two raised gardens. I walk between them. Ah, uh, right. Okay, end. I'm with you. There's a wee bit of space at each end, but it's actually quite small because I thought, oh, this is going to be cool and upright, and I filled it up with uh, horse manure. It's beautiful soil, and right. it was cook- cooking warm for quite a while. As winters approach, it's probably down to 10, 12 okay. degrees. Well, and so, um, and it's probably, oh, I'm guessing I've probably got a metre and a half, two metres height. No, a metre and a half height above that to the roof. Right. No, no, that sounds good. I'm, I've got the picture now. Um, okay. If you have got a thermometer, stick it yep. in yep. to that and just oh, get a reading of what the temperature is. Yep. Um, it, it's probably still decomposing. It's yep. probably somewhere around about 10 degrees or better. Yes, it is. Right? It is. Okay. So all you've got to do now is get your seedling. Yep. Take it out out of its cell pack or out of its little pot it comes in. Make a hole. If you've got um, my Wally Secret Tomato Food with Neem, put uh, a little bit of that, about a quarter of a teaspoon at the bottom of the hole, and then plant your tomato plant seedling right up to the first two leaves. Yep on the side of the trunk, right? And the main thing then, because it's still cold, is to keep it a little bit on the dry side. Yes. Right? If if it's too wet and then on a cold night, it makes the cold more intense. Yes. Give you an example of this. If you go out on a frosty morning, bare hands, it's cold, but it's not bad. You go out with wet hands, it's bloody freezing. Yeah. So the wet makes it intensifies the cold. So what you tend to do is just give them a little drink um, as necessary, and you'll probably find it doesn't need much because there's a lot of moisture already. If the leaves start to droop a bit or whatever, um, indicating that it's uh, dry, okay, give them a, a small drink. If you can, with warm water rather than chilly cold water, because that's nice. And 
Of course, you can spray them with the magic botanic liquid oh, straight that. off. That's good stuff. Right. Okay. So that's good. Later on, when the plants are growing, you'll get some laterals appear, right? Yeah. Now, ideally, you take the laterals off unless you want to have a more I, bushy. I don't tomato. want a bushy one because when I grew them casually last season, before I was a gardener, I sort of let them go and they all fell over each other and the tomatoes were on the ground and it was a pigsty. Yeah. So I want, I'd rather plant more, I'm thinking, and keeping it tidy. Right. Yep. Because okay. my laterals also pulled the tomatoes down all the time. So ideally, when you plant, also get yourself a good bamboo stake, six yep. foot tall or whatever. Yep. Um, and shove that in the ground next to it, right? Yep. So you can tie it to that later on for support, right? Okay, that's good. Now, when it comes to removing laterals, you've got to be very careful. The, the humidity has to be very low. So you only remove laterals on a nice sunny day when the air is dry. Otherwise, a fungus will get in or something. Otherwise, botrytis gets in. It's a nice, friendly little disease, which will go down to the trunk somewhere and cause a, a rotting in the trunk, which will eventually kill the plant because it will cut the bottom off from the top. Wow. And this is always caused from either removing laterals or removing leaves and even in some cases taking fruit off the plant. It should always be done like you water, you would leave it until it dries out fairly much before you did it, right? And it would mean in my tunnel house having the door open for a while because the humidity is quite high in my tunnel house. Yep. Yep. Okay. You've got to dry it down. Yeah. Otherwise, there is another aspect you could do. You could take that new liquid copper the copper nutrient, and you can spray the plant with that um, at the five mil rate. And if you've got ornery copper, fungicide, um, you could have that made up in a little trigger sprayer. And when you take a lateral or a leaf off, you just give it a squirt over the wound to seal it, right? Well, I'm going on to Wally's webpage after this. I'm going to have to make a list because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to make a list, Wally. I'm going to need the new, what is it, the new Wally's Secret Tomato Food? With neem, yes. With neem. Yeah. It? Yep. The neem is important because one of the worst problems of growing tomato plants is they are very attracted to whitefly. Okay. And in the glasshouse situation, whitefly breed like rattlesnakes. They really okay. breed badly, right? And if you can avoid um, whitefly getting started, or stop them before they get going, um, you won't have a problem about January period where you walk in, touch a plant, and you get all these little white flies up your nose because there's thousands that. of them, right? And then we need the, the new copper. The copper um, nutrient, yeah. Wally's super copper nutrient. Yeah. Wow, you're great, Wally. Wally's. Super 
And, and the plant food, oh, the tomato food is Wally's secret tomato food. Got it. Now, you mentioned earlier that there are, <clears throat> I know you've covered this with me, there are indeterminate and determinate and dwarf tomato seedlings. What they Right. Are? The dwarf plants are the determinant because they okay. grow tall, right? Do they need a stake? Um, generally speaking, no. Um, like Scoresbury dwarf, uh, if you can get hold of Scoresbury dwarf, nice big tomato, uh, lots of them on a plant that's about a metre tall and a metre spread, right? Um, they can need a little bit of staking, but generally not. You're indeterminate. They could actually be a vine because they will grow up to your roof of your glass house and then carry on. And I've seen wow. a tomato plant growing in hydroponics this is some years ago, um, and it was about 40 foot long, and it was only the last three feet of it that actually had leaves and fruit. And, and it had been growing for, for two years. No. Yeah, no trouble. So they are a vine in actual yeah. fact. Um, given the opportunity, they can't sucker onto or climb over plants and so forth, but they will just keep on growing and growing and growing. Um, and given ample staking and good conditions, you could have a tomato plant that you have to get the ladder out to bloody pick the tomatoes <laughs> off the top. <laughs> ah, could I run that down the roof with a stake, like at, at right angles? Yeah, well, you usually have a wire along yes. to do that. Um, aspect. Okay, so we talked about the laterals. Now, that's yes. an important aspect. Now, a thing you can do is you can let the laterals grow to about, say, um, I talk in inches, about four inches long, and then you carefully nip them off, and then, yeah. then you can use that and strike it as a seedling. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're easy to strike. Right, a bit of warmth into some potting mix, into a pot in your glass house on your shelf or whatever, and um, just keep it moist. Spray it with magic botanic liquid, and you've got another plant, and it will be exactly the same as the parent, of course. Mm. Right. Also, another fallacy is people think that a hybrid tomato, which is especially um, what's name grown. If you keep the seeds of it, it won't come true to form. From my experience, they basically always come true to form. So if you buy an expensive plant, um, and there are some varieties which can be quite dear to buy, and you grow it and you collect the seeds uh, when they're mature, and um, you can grow once again from those. I, I, I have... Uh, tomato plants, which I used to grow now about 30 years ago, kept the seeds in the fridge. And a couple of years ago, I germinated them and I got about a half strike. So yeah. they're quite viable for a long period of time. And any 
tomatoes that you like and grow um, and you want to germinate from seeds yourself, all you do when the plants, when you have your ripe tomatoes, is just take some of the seeds off, put them on a um, piece of uh, paper toweling, uh, some tissue, let them dry, and then put them in a jar with their name on and the date in the fridge, and uh, they'll be good for probably a 20 odd years. Well, certainly for next season, then. Mm. And okay. tell me when you when you pull these laterals off, do you cut them like with scissors or with a knife, or do you pull them? What's the best way to take the lateral off? Pinch. You pinch. Just pinch them off. Okay. And, and kind of pinch and pull. Yeah. Um, there, there is a aspect that you should not use steel on a plant. It's, it's I don't know whether it's how detrimental it is, but there is an old law, um, folklore, where um, if you're going to use anything, you don't use copper. Yeah. Copper scissors or uh, whatever, but not steel. Goodness me. Yeah. And do you follow that law? Um, by and large, yes, yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. I don't have any copper scissors, unfortunately. No. So my, my fingers are uh, copper-like. <laughs> yeah. So just well, pinch I'm out. Not quite excited now about tomatoes. You've sort of demystified it for me. Um, after this, I'm going to get on the webpage, make my order, and rush off. Now, down here in Queenstown, I go to Bunnings. Right. Because they're nice to me and sometimes might attend. I'm not aware of a nursery, right? Because um, land rental here is just astronomical. Is it okay to be buying your seedlings and that from Bunnings and might attend? Or would you it be preferable to be going to a dedicated Garden nursery shop. No, I mean, so tomatoes are tomatoes, seedlings okay. are seedlings. What do you do? Um, the varieties you'll see heritage type tomatoes, which some of them um, are good, but generally speaking, I've never found them to be all that great. Uh, I prefer tomatoes like Gross Lisa, Money Maker, um, Russian Red traditional ones, mm-hmm. uh, in which some of those now they determine as being heritage tomatoes because they're quite old varieties and they've been popular for many years because they are very good. Mm. Um, what's that? Now, should I stagger my tomato growing? And, of course, I guess in a month or two I'll start planting them outside so that I have a long season? like. So I plant these, I don't know, I was thinking of a half a dozen seedlings, particularly if I get the laterals off in my tunnel house, and that'll be my early tomatoes. But later on, I mean, I want the tomatoes to run as long as I can. Right. So in a month or two, would I be planting seedlings outside to to have tomatoes later in the season? Yep, yep, yep. And you're... Um, part of the world, yes, that would be about right for temperature and so forth. Um, in Auckland, because the or, tomato, the tomatoes 
I'm the ones in the tunnel house. I'd be getting them over a period of some weeks, right? I mean, it just doesn't all happen at once, and then they are no more tomatoes. No, no, yeah, they just keep on going. So, like, if you were growing lettuces, you'd plant six lettuces now, and in three or four weeks' time, plant another six lettuces, so you've got succession. Got it. With tomatoes, capsicums, et cetera, one plant just keeps on going until winter. Okay. So, and it will keep on fruiting right Got the it. way through. So you Got don't it. need to plant another one uh, in a month's time. Got it. But the only time you do that is probably round about January, February, where you would get some winter-type tomatoes, which is like your Russian red or one called Antarctic or Arctic. Arctic is one, which you'd have to grow from seed yourself. Um and you get them started so that you can grow your tomatoes through the winter time in your tunnel house, and they're going to be up quite good size with fruit on as winter folds in, right? Wow. Now, the key is that tomatoes, to set fruit, have got to flower and create pollen, right? Now, some varieties like Moneymaker, Gross Lisa, you need warm temperatures for them to flower and produce pollen. They'll flower, but no pollen, right? A Arctic-type tomato plant will produce pollen in the cold weather, right, such as Russian red or Arctic or whatever, right? Now, if... You grow, say, a moneymaker in the middle of winter, and it's there, it's it's flowers are there, but no, never sets any fruit because there's not enough temperature for the flower to produce pollen. Mm-hmm. Right? So the, a lot of people think or don't realize that it's the temperature related for the pollen. And this the is others, the early season, mid season, and late season idea for tomatoes. Yes. So your Russian, your Russian red, and your Arctic—they're late season tomatoes. Oh no, you can grow them any time of the oh, year. Okay, but they will be ones that will produce fruit in the cold of winter. Okay. Okay. Now, okay. another tip too, because there's so many things to learn about tomatoes. A lot of people um, who grow tomatoes in the tunnel house or whatever, they say, they flower, but I don't get any fruit. Now, the reason being is that tomato plants, even though they're self-fertile, they need some movement to move the pollen in the flower, right? Now, the trick here is when your tomato plants are up and they've got flowers on, nice sunny day, it has to be a nice sunny day, you go out and you tap the plant to make it vibrate. It will set the fruit. My goodness. In the old days, we used to have a product called uh, Full Set or Tom Set, right, which is a little spray that you used to spray. It was a hormone spray, and they banned it uh, later on. Booth, the chemist, actually used to produce it, the other aspect is... So what you're doing there is you're shaking the pollen off, what is it, the stamens or something, 
and it's falling into the flower's anther or whatever, the male bit and the female bit. Mm-hmm. And unless that happens, it can't fertilize and grow a tomato. Right. Yep. Yep. My goodness. Uh, commercially, I, I, many years ago, I bought a glasshouse complex in Palmas North from an elderly Chinese gentleman who had the big glasshouses, the commercial ones, and he was growing tomatoes. And he was growing tomatoes right into winter, no trouble at all. He had the best tomatoes in New Zealand because of a little trick he did. But one of the aspects of it, in the glasshouses, there was crisscross wires, right, number eight wires going all up and down in squares uh, between them about, oh, probably 18 inches apart, right? So imagine all these wires going across the glass house and then all these wires coming up and down the glass house, sitting on top of each other. What would be done for staking is that you'd take some twine and you'd tie it to the wires and you'd run it down and you'd have a piece of number eight wire with a a bent uh, in it, like a hook, and you'd shove that in the ground next to the plant. And then you would twist the plant around as it grows up the twine. So it kind of spirals up. And these you support, right? Yeah, yeah. What you would do on a sunny day is you, when the plants are up and they're in Oh, you just shake the vine, shake the twine. Know, you would take a stick and you'd whack the wires and you give them a real solid rack and the whole place would go. <laughs> <laughs> and all the fruit was set. How amazing. Yeah, it was. His trick was, and, and they even had DSIR, Massey and so forth because he was producing beautiful tomatoes Beautiful flavour, and uh, they and it, they held. They they kept extremely well, right? And they couldn't work out what it was. What he did when he uh, built the glass houses in those days, there was a gas works in Palmerston North who would take the coal and extract the gas from it. And what did you end up with? Coke. Remember yeah, Coke? I do remember Coke. Yeah. I don't know if you can get Coke anymore, but I'd love to get some. Um, it's a little bit like Black Magic, right? Because Black Magic, uh, Magic, sorry, not Black Magic, but, um, our Magic Botanic Liquid, because that comes from lignate or coal too. He actually put several tons, he dug out a great big underneath, put several tons of this Coke in, and then put the soil on top of that. Now, of course, he, the plant's roots were going down and they were getting the nutrients, like from the botanical uh, liquid, from the Coke. And oh that made goodness. them really special. Oh, my goodness. Well, when I was Googling away, Wally, I came across a YouTube that was talking about making charcoal Mm -hmm. and adding it into your compost right that could that is that a similar thing yes but no oh (laughs) no because 
your coal, etc., is from prehistoric uh, times when the world was mineral rich and cycads and ferns and everything grew massive along with the dinosaurs. And of course, they all turned into our what we call fossil fuels, coal, oil, right? And in the coal is trapped. Now, theoretically, you go bag, buy a bag of coal, which you can still buy coal, right? Yeah. Some people burn coal, which is damn good, especially if you've got one of those. Um, Absolutely. Uh, what's the name? Ovens. Uh, mm-hmm. I suppose if you were to take the coal and pulverise it, bring it back to coal dust, right, and sprinkle that in the ground underneath your plant, like tomato plant or whatever, you've got all those nutrients from that taken up by the plant. Isn't that uh, extraordinary? Yeah. Carbon nets is once again a... Uh, uh, Something derived, I think, from coal. I'm not sure how they're produced, but that would be another possibility. Um, what about the ash from your fire, too? Is I mean, I know it's separate because the point about the coal and the magic botanic liquid is it's coming from those ancient times when it was mineral rich. But separate to that, is is the ash from your wood burner? Is that useful in your garden? Yes, it's potash. That's that's why they call it potash, because we used to take it out of the fireplace, put it in a pot, let it cool down um, so it was dead, and then we would dispose of it either by sprinkling around the garden. And it's it's not a strong potash, but it is potash. And think about this too. In fact, like when you're clearing native bush, right, in the old days, and then they would burn it off and the ash from that would be valuable for planting your crops, your grass or whatever, right? Yeah. Because you've got all the minerals from it and, and the potash. And the what is what is potash? It's like, um, is it minerals or is it? Sulfate, is, potassium sulfate is, is the man-made equivalent. Okay. And and plants need the K. Yep. And that provides them with the K. And the sulfate, do they need the sulfur or is that just not used by the plants? Um, yeah. Sulfur, once again, is very good in plants um, and it's very good for yourself. Mm. For instance, off topic a little bit, but your body needs a small amount of sulfur daily, right? Mm-hmm. Now. Years ago, when we were young, in our food chain from the market gardens that were growing naturally, etc., you would have got your uh, daily amount of sulphur, right? Yeah. These days, in commercial-grown products, uh, food, veggies, uh, there's not a lot of minerals and elements. So there's two types of sulphur. There's the sulphur that comes out of volcanoes, yellow, Right, which you can use for various things. And back in days gone by, um, we used to um, use it to fumigate uh, our glass houses, which we still do. Or in cases of uh, colds going around, mum used to get some um, hot coals out of the coal range and on her hearth shovel, sprinkle some yellow 
powdered sulfur on that. And my job as a five-year-old was to walk through the house with these smoking embers um, to fumigate the house, and we never got a cold. Good me. Yeah. Sulfur kills germs, right, and bacteria. Well, yeah, germs. Um, because we lack sulfur, and one of these things that sulfur does is carries oxygen through the body to the cells. We have a product which is sulfur that's derived from plants, in actual fact, pine trees, called MSM. MSM is a white crystal powder, right, which you take about half a teaspoon and you dissolve it into some nice fruit juice with um, non-chlorinated water and vitamin C, and you take that and you have that morning and night. It was about 20 years ago, a chap from America through the internet I was in contact with, I learned about it and he sent me 500 grams of this MSM to New Zealand for me to do. He was doing an experiment where you had to take a photograph, a good, clear photograph of your face, right, before you started on the taking the MSM, and then six months later, another photograph. Mm. Reason being, sulfur is nature's beauty element, and he was determining by doing a whole lot of people that their complexion would improve. Wow. We sell this MSM. Now, um, ladies quite often will contact me after I've bought some a month or two later and said, my goodness, my uh, skin, hair, nails have never been so good. Why? Because it's nature's beauty element. It also is magic on arthritis, like sore joints, things like that. Uh, I had a lady just recently, she rang me up, she'd got some MSM, and um, she said, before this, I was virtually crippled. She said, I couldn't get out of bed in the morning without a lot of difficulties, I was on painkillers, I heard about the MSM, I got some. She said, after a couple of weeks, oh I jump goodness. out of bed in the mornings now, no problems oh at all. Oh, my goodness. Now, oh my goodness. Some people it's slow for um that to happen, and other people it can be miraculous. It's kind of like overnight. And you have to, as a human being, be constantly experimenting with your nutrition, it seems to me, because you don't know what you're missing out on until you shake it up a bit. Right. Um I'm actually this week have been gone back to a protocol where I have a warm cup of bone broth and um, some kefir in the morning. Oh, my goodness, I'm feeling so much better. I'm also, through the day, I have um, the seed sprouts growing, and I always just grab a handful, and I'm finding that's been helpful with the magic botanic liquid sprayed on them. And I must be getting some nutrients through that because I'm finding that very good. And you'll be pleased to know I just this week planted some wheatgrass um, right. to to make a smooth a smoothie drink out of because I've had such success, funnily enough, with the sprouts and the magic botanic liquid. I mean, I literally just eat a handful a day and I find them very tasty. 
and uh, mung bean sprouts or a mixture of sprouts. I'm growing them all in that little thing that I got um, from Bunnings, wasn't it? I got that. And um, it's fantastic. And every now and then I'll throw them in and, and fry them up with some for dinner for, for the kids and the family. Um, and having done all that, I actually realized that I, there must have been something a bit lacking in my minerals because I'm actually feeling uh, better. And oh, you will. Yep. See, this is the problem. Um, we're not getting the nutritional value out of our no. food chain when it's commercial. If we grow it ourselves, with naturally, uh, we've got all the uh, goodness um, from the veggies and stuff that we grow. The more you can grow, the better off. But even if you can only grow a little bit, Yes. Even just doing the sprouts, yes. you're going to be that much better off yes. as a result. Uh, yes. And you'll live longer, healthier, for sure. Okay, Wally. Well, you've once again inspired me. I'm going to tackle these tomatoes. I'm going to call in and I'm going into town. I'm going to call into Bunnings and see if they've got any tomato seedlings. I'm going to put my order in for Wally's secret tomato food. And Wally's Super Copper Nutrient. Nutrient. I couldn't read my own writing. Um, And I'm going to get those tomatoes going well. I can't wait. Oh, my goodness. Um, I go into, because my, well, I've got my tunnel house is sort of like 15 minutes away as it happens from where I am at the moment. So some days I don't get out, particularly when it's been poor weather and I go out there and it just amazes me how much growth there is Wally mm, yeah. and I am I am a bit scared that my breath my tomatoes I planted tomato seedlings in the dead of winter and they sprouted and died but my lettuce has popped up and I mean that'd be like um three or four inches across you and me doing old Christian units I got carrots um I got brassicas but you said they might bolt but we'll see and um I'm going to add tomatoes. Funnily enough, <laughs> I bought potatoes that I liked, and I thought um, I've set them in the shade and in the warm in the tunnel house, and they're just starting to sprout literally after a month. Right. And then I bought potatoes for dinner and opened the bag, and they'd sprouted. And I was actually quite gleeful. Normally, I'd be why? upset. Why? Do you know why? No. Potatoes will sprout when there's a change of temperature. In other words, the potatoes are normally co- stored cool. When you bring them home and put them in your warm kitchen, next to no time, you're starting to sprout. It's the warmth that causes them to break. Okay. Because you want them to sprout and get like an inch or two before you plant them, right? Oh, no, no, you don't want them too long because they'll break. Ideally, after they show some sprouting, you put them in a nice sunny position, protected, to green them off, right? So those sprouts then become very hard and green, and then you plant them. Oops. 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 Now, here's an important thing. Should I dig them up? No, 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 no. They, they, will do, <laughs> they will be okay. Um, in a glass house, tunnel house, and even outside, white fly tomatoes are a problem, right? Now, 
in the old days, what we used to do with the glass houses, we would plant marigolds in there, heaps of marigolds and hanging baskets and pots and everywhere, right? And we'd have our tomato plants in there. The tomatoes, um, at night time, we would close the house down, right, all the vents, etc. And then in the morning when we opened up, it would just smell of marigolds, right? Now, white fly outside flying along, they find their tomato plant host by the smell. But, of course, if you've got this marigold smell there, they can't smell the tomato plant. They keep on flying, right? Mm. Now, instead of having to do that, what we use is neem tree granules on uh, in the glasshouse, and they create a smell which disguises the smell of the tomato plants. So if you're in open soil, you just yep. sprinkle some on the soil, uh, they get moist, they smell, and that disguises the Is plants. that a one-off thing or do you got to do it every so often? Um, until they break down, it's probably one-off or maybe okay. later in the season you might sprinkle a few more. If you're using the powder, yes, you'd have to because that breaks down much okay. quicker. Um, oh, so wow. Wally's secret tomato food with neem has got the powder, of course, there. So you oh, put, I don't need to buy that. I've got that no. in the I got it in the secret tomato food. Yeah. That secret tomato food is going under the tomato plant, right? And then on top of the soil. Got it. So uh, you're two ways. A little bit in the planting hole. Yeah. And then also about a teaspoon or so. And oh. initially on top of the soil, and it's so as you water, it's going to water down. The reason your tomato plants that you started off in winter died was because it was too wet and they okay. didn't like it, right? If it kept okay. it dry, they would still be going. My goodness me. What a great thing this is, Wally. Thank you for this. This is so wonderful. I can't wait. We will have a regular update. As you know, every fortnight we get Wally on. Wally, you're a treasure. I know I grabbed you a bit at the last minute, and I know you got uh, some, you're having to hop in your car and head away. So I thank you for your time. You're on Real Talk with Rodney Hyde on Radley Check Radio, and we've been talking to Wally Richards. He's uh, magic. You can give him a ring at 0800 uh, you can email them at wallyjr at gardennews1n and the gardennews.co.nz. Uh, and he would love to hear from you. And if you've got problems in your garden, you can um, ring Wally. He doesn't mind. Or uh, you can also text me 2057 or email me inbox at rallycheck.radio because there'll be other listeners too that will be having perhaps potentially similar, similar problems and we'll deal with them on the show. But Wally's going to be coming on. We might have to up the pace a bit, Wally, because now we're heading into a busy time for gardening, aren't we? Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, unlike a month or two ago, it was quiet and there's only certain things you can do. Now we're starting to go hell for leather, as they say. We might and, have to go weekly, Wally, through this yeah. period because I'm going to struggle and I've got to be keep reminded of what to do. You're lovely. You have a great trip. And thank you for your time and for sharing your knowledge. And I will be putting in my order. Thank you, Wally. I'll get my tomatoes going. Thank you. 
No trouble. Thank you. This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m.